Welcome to Cancelled. We are back. Sorry for the missing week, but we're back here. We were at, I was out of town in New Orleans doing stuff. Somebody hey. forgot to watch the episodes. <laughs> I was trying to be nice, but she looked at me like I was an asshole, so I just going uh, to bring it up. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, uh, fair and valid, and I will send a handwritten apology to each of you <laughs> that writes it on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm Brevard Vort, and I'm back to talk about these last two episodes. Last two episodes of John from Cincinnati. I started doing, like, Googling, oh, what did other people have to say about John from Cincinnati? We were just talking about this off the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was uh, The showrunner was on Craig Ferguson, and when he was asked if he knew what the show was about, he said, no, I don't. <laughs> Motherfucker. I got so mad, because I've been, like, really kind of putting in some thought, because, like, what? Yeah. Like, this show's, like, interesting, weird. Oh, you're just throwing shit at a wall. You don't know what this is. Oh, either. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was definitely, like, a spaghetti, let's see, let's see what sticks. And that, you know, a lot stuck for me, I guess. I enjoyed... There were, yeah, there were some moments that definitely stood out, but, you know, it, and and it's hard to say because the show, you know, got canceled after 10 episodes, but it's like, did they have a sense of where it was going, at least? Even if they didn't know what it was about, did they have, like, a goal to, like, where did anything? I think that's the thing they had the least of, is an actual goal or an idea of where it's going. I think they had ideas, like, of what they want to... Like big picture ideas of what I want to talk about, kind of a thing. Yeah, they had like, like themes they wanted to explore. Exactly, but it was yeah. But they didn't know how, like, what the end goal was going to be. It was definitely like a grab bag, like when you're coming back from a Halloween trip and you're like, oh, okay, we got some Snickers, we got some Milky Way, but we definitely got like popcorn balls <laughs> that <laughs> yeah, we yeah, 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 didn't yeah. want in here for sure. I'm trying to find the exact quote. Yeah, at one point he says, well, we have we have mutual friends who speak of a slow unfolding. We're not in any kind we're not in any kind of creepy weird cult or anything. That's was the showrunners talk about the show, but his exact line is uh you don't know what it's about. And he goes, I don't know what it's about. I don't know the bottom line. Well, motherfucker, shouldn't you know what it's about? And then the rest of it doesn't really like. I if, mean, that's if, the elevator pitch, right? Like, right, right, right. Well, the elevator pitch is, I don't know what this is about. That's crazy. <laughs> They're like, uh, we're just going to sign off on anything. Um, but also, I think like the timing of when this came out, just from the things that I read, wasn't ideal because when this show came out, like people thought he was leaving Deadwood to do this, right. so there was outrage about that. And then I didn't realize that Sopranos had also just finished, mm-hmm. and Sopranos had that really unsatisfying that, ending. Terror cast ending. Yeah, 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 I didn't. I didn't watch it. I just remember it was like a fade to black, and everyone was just like, the rest oh. of that week, they were like, "This uh, is garbage." Yeah, it's not even a fade to black. It's a hard cut to black. It's like don't yeah. stop believing, playing, <laughs> and then it just stops. The show just stops. Yeah, and so. So once that, I guess once uh, Sopranos had that sort of thing, yeah, John from Cincinnati did not slow that outrage. Yeah, down. yeah, yeah. The exact line he says, though, this is the most we could get out of Milch for what this show is about. Is where is it? I just had it. He says, "But uh, this is a quote. But uh, if God were trying to reach out to us," and Ferguson says, "Right," and he goes, uh, "And he felt a certain urgency about it." Um, that's what it's about. So if God wanted to get in touch with us, what and was the felt quickest a, way? And he felt a certain urge. So the quickest way is to send a person who doesn't know how to actually speak or convey messages uh, to a surfing town in California. 
that's the not appear in the sky and say I'm God and here's what I want to say. You're the all powerful. No, no there's you have to no, send a bunch of esoteric no, nonsense. Yeah, there's no Mufasa moment. Yeah, yeah. No, the, coming through the clouds. I am here. I mean, I feel like if you're going to say well, he felt an urgency about it, well, then yeah. don't make Mitch Yost float and make me wonder what that means for fucking And have episodes. him disappear for like six episodes. What a prick. Can we, all right, let's get into, yes. this episode. Let's get into right. these episodes. We'll come back to big picture stuff. Episode eight, which I believe. A- episode nine. Oh, episode nine. Right, it's nine and ten, yeah? Yeah, it's nine, but it's, it's day, day eight. eight. Yeah, yes, day eight. Sean's disappeared. Shawnee's gone. Which, it feels fucking like a weird choice to do a... Uh, an episode like two episodes ago where Sean was missing to only follow it up with another episode where Sean's missing. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it seems like you're going to that well. Put a bell bit. on him. <laughs> yeah. Something. Ty is like to a, Ty is liked it a bet or something. Yeah. Uh, but also, we see Mitch again. He's gone down to Mexico. He's gone down to Mexico and he's tracked down this old uh, companion of his named the chemist. Well, he, he was the chemist, but his name is Erlemeyer. Erlemeyer. As as in the flask, as in like the, the beaker that you oh. use in science class, like because he's a chemist. I found that annoying. I also found <laughs> it annoying. You're introducing another goddamn character into the show in episode nine. You had to know by now you're getting canceled. And at oh, like, this yeah. point, so like maybe don't. I don't need more. Yeah. You already brought the hair lip in. Now you're bringing in this guy. Yeah, and this uh, this guy lives in apparently a driftwood house on the beach. I don't even think there's running water in there. He's just mysterious. Used to make a lot of acid, I guess. I'm assuming he Yost. makes that good jerky son off acid that, oh, that Sissy was on. Just like Earl Meyer used to make. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, and again, it's, and like, I get that this is like, oh, they write fucking. In this weird sing-songy, yes, n- like, not-the-way-people-talk uh, way. Talk way. Mm-hmm. But he comes up to this chemist and he tells him, hey, I've been up in the air. As if the chemist is going to have any fucking context for what that possibly means. Were you in a hot air balloon? What the fuck are you talking about? Yeah. Hey, I floated. <laughs> it just makes me so mad. That Mitch Yost makes me angry. And then for them to try to, like, kind of redeem him yes, bothered me as well. It bothered me as well. And... I. He deserves to get hit in the face repeatedly by Sissy because he does later in this episode, eventually him and the chemist decide to come back because the chemist is like, so you came all the way to Mexico when all this stuff is going on. Why? Yeah, yeah. He even says at one point, I think an extraterrestrial is involved with my family. That's what he says to the chemist. And the chemist, okay, so you came yeah. so, so you came here to get acid? I don't understand. <laughs> I don't what is your process? Yeah, yeah. Uh and then he comes back and he's like, Wait, Shoddy's gone? <laughs> and she's like, You haven't, haven't been, been Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. This is the second time Shawnee's gone. I God damn it. He shows up and then but they do try to redeem him somewhat by having him go like there's a line he says specific where he's like, Give me the weight, let me take it or whatever, because he's gonna go like deal with the press or whatever, right? So he's like sissy's yelling at him or whatever, and he's like trying to is like you weigh down a hot air balloon. Is it like a metaphor like that? Because he's up in thought, the air. I hadn't even thought about that. Give Thank him the weight. God damn it. Um, yeah, if I didn't have responsibilities, I would float too. Yeah, we all yeah, float. Yeah, buddy. yeah, yeah, yeah. And we're all just weighed down by the fucking. The, the man. Oh, Jesus Christ. I hadn't even thought about that <laughs> until this moment. I'm, le- I'm liking this show less in the retelling of this episode. Uh, Zippy is also missing. Zippy is also missing, so which made me real nervous initially when I saw Zippy was gone, and I was like, I was like, oh well, then maybe Sean's not coming back. 
Only yeah. in that moment because I was like, they well, both... Zippy is responsible for him being alive. Yeah, they both died and then yeah, miraculously yeah. came back to life. So maybe they're connected in some way. Right. And so uh, Sissy is on the rampage. She calls up uh, uh, She calls up Shawnee's mom right. and... It's uh, Link's phone because the mom and Link are sleeping together. And she's like, uh, what do you get his dick out of your mouth and find your goddamn son? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you take him? Did Link take him? But also, like, how is she supposed to know? You won't let her rap. Sissy's also making me mad. Because, like, you're yelling at this woman for not knowing that her son is missing as if she could possibly know that because you won't let her around her son because she's a sex worker. And, like... Sissy's becoming unlikable, and it's not just because she jerked off her kid. I'm not. I'm, I'm not saying that doesn't lean into making her unlikable a little bit, but she's becoming unlikable because her reactions are so insanely hurtful at all times. She like, became the biggest ball buster that ever was. Like there'd be people who'd be like, "Hey, Sissy, let me try and help and find Sean." And they're like, "Yeah, and why don't you go fuck yourself on the way? Yeah, yeah, yeah. shoot she, yourself up with drugs, you fucking asshole." She and you're tells like, somebody oh. at one point. I wrote it down. She's like, "Don't forget to drown yourself afterwards." Okay, like, what? Why? They're I, trying to help yeah, you, and she just can't. And I understand the like, oh, she pushes people away or whatever. And apparently, so she doesn't jerk them off. But it's really one of the. It's other. really one of the. She has no other options. She either really loves you or really loves you. Um, there is also another message sent mm. while that now that he's while he's missing, right? Yes. Another video message. The, the hair lip uncovers with his, I guess, girlfriend. I, yeah. I, I don't. Their relationship is very confusing. It's odd because at first I was like, "Oh, he she does that thing where she puts her shirt over his head, yeah, because she's like in that way of like, oh, it makes him uncomfortable, and I think that's funny." But now I don't. I think there may be a thing. I don't know. I don't. That's weird. She, they have a thing with his bald head in her breast. Yeah, yeah, yeah that yeah, yeah. repeats. Um. Anyways, he comes across a new image, and it has. Two. Two of the stick figures. Two of the stick figures. So we think that means that Sean is... Because one is smaller. They they make a lot of jumps in logic where it's like they think that means Sean is okay because there's two When I see that, it means I'm losing at Hangman. (laughs) 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 These are just little anthropomorphic stick figures. But they make... There's a lot of jumps. At one point, Butchie is like... John can't dump out, I'm not an asshole, therefore Sean's okay. Yeah, they're what? putting together all these things about like how John seems relatively harmless, so they don't think that he's dead, but they also have no proof of this. Right, and they are also under the assumption that John took him, right? That is a leap they're making. John's not there, he's not there, so they have to be together. I kind of get that leap in logic, except that... Sean runs around that fucking town whenever he wants all the time. No supervision. He no just supervision. goes wherever he wants, right? No. So maybe he just fucking went somewhere. I don't know. It seems it seems weird. But also we know that not to be the case. He did go somewhere. We'll find out in the next episode he went up, maybe. Yes. I, Cincinnati. He might I think he went to Cincinnati. But then he comes back at We can actually just kind of talk about these yeah, two episodes. They're companions. Um, so it's uh, fine. All of all of episode nine is basically Shawnee's gone. What are we gonna do? We right. think he's okay. We don't know if he's okay, but just based on random data, we're gonna hope for the best. And also, they started talking to the press briefly, right? Because Sean's missing. Because and Sean's missing. They're gonna have missing. to eventually 
go to the press. And they're like, do you think, do you think, uh, they're like, he, we think he's with this man. He's six foot tall, maybe mentally retarded. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. He's a, he, yeah. But we don't know for sure that he's in danger. There, it's such a weird way to go to the press with that information as well because you don't have. It's no real information. And then, well, also, and then Bill tried to get his friend, but they haven't filed a missing persons report. Right. So they went to the press before they filed a missing persons report, which I think is interesting for sure. Also, there's a couple other things that happen. The doctor's getting a little more involved as well, with yes. particularly. Uh, the Barry Barry who runs the uh, the hotel. By the way, that actor Stan Winston's son found oh. that out in my in my uh, doings. Matt Winston is his name. Uh, Stan Winston of like special effects fame. Anyway, uh, um, he goes and gets a one and one of the Avon catalogs from the Hispanic lady that they ran into previously, mm-hmm. and it's filled with those fucking symbols. Yeah. It's got a bunch of those stick figures drawn in it. I love there was like some line is just like I, the artistry behind finding lipsticks I, for I, women I, of I, color. I wrote it down. Where is it? it the, the care that must go into creating lipstick shades for women of color is what Barry says when he Ooh. handed the fucking Avon catalog. That's beautiful. That should be a t-shirt. <laughs> <laughs> um, we see him go back into the bar again. And he sees uh, – the figure of, I assume, the man that molested him. Sure. And then also we see Sean from behind. So I was like, that's not good either. There's a lot of things that made me lean, lean into, oh, Sean's not coming back. Yeah. One of which is he's a ghost in this fucking bar. Secondly, they one thing that I did figure out while watching this episode, that bar is 100% supposed to be on the grounds of the hotel. Because he walks in a door from the outside of the hotel and walks into that bar. Now that I know that, that also makes me angry. That bar doesn't exist in that hotel. But anyway, <laughs> yeah, uh, um, yeah, pool tables pretty decked out. It's pretty big. It's like it's a spacious bar. Yeah, um, sissy trashes Mitch's like uh, a clubhouse, little clubhouse or whatever. In the previous episode, Mitch comes back and he's like, "Oh, neighborhood team, neighborhood punks must have done this." Think for two seconds who your wife is. Maybe just think for a second. Get back in the game, dude. Oh, also, there was some, there was like a cute moment where um, Freddy's friend. Uh, Palaka. Palaka. Gives him the teddy bear. Yeah, it's my favorite like, moment in this episode. He's like, a gift that you don't give is cursed until you give it. Yeah. And so a lot of bad stuff's been happening. You broke my hand. Uh, Shawnee's missing. So here, take this gift. And it's a little teddy bear little with sunglasses and, and a leather little, jacket. A little leather jacket. A little tough guy, a little tough guy teddy bear. And what I, what I really enjoyed in this moment is he gives it to Freddy and Freddy's like, fuck this and throws it out. He's like, here's my thing, you bear or whatever. And he throws it into the parking lot. And Palaka goes right back out and gets it. And he's like, no, I gave you, like, he's, hurt by him doing that and it's like the first time he kind of stands up for himself Balaka yeah. does like no you're gonna take this bear I gave it to you stop being a dick yeah he's like do it for the kid yeah 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 and then uh, <laughs> he turns around and then takes it all the way over to Barry and he's like for the kid <laughs> yeah 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 and then he gets mad because he doesn't want his bear hanging out with Barry's bear at one point <laughs> like yeah after the next episode. Nudge, but yeah, also Freddy in that moment he's he, like there's a moment there that I enjoyed where he, he gets the bear initially before he gives it to Barry and like he has this moment where he sees he's hurt Palaka. It's not necessarily what he meant to do, right? But uh, so he kind of takes the bear and has that like soft, soft moment. But in, then, in order to like be like, oh, I'm still Freddy, he has to like angrily zip up the bear's jacket and make it look tough. He's yeah. like, um, there you go. Now it's a bear. That <laughs> <just> like, that <laughs> no, that's me, a bear. That made me laugh. 
Um, yeah. Oh gosh, I'm trying to think if there was anything else. There's not a ton. Uh, Luis Guzman grills. (laughs) Luis Guzman grills for sure. He has to get some food. She like she's going around town trying to get people to help look for him. One of those (laughs) groups is uh, Vietnam Joe. Uh, and the other guys at the VFW for some reason. So just these old drunks around the town looking for a Yeah, boy. and it's really just like them in front of a grocery store being like, ma'am, have you seen these, this kid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I was just like, VFW at work, Super buddy. Super weird. Um, I also wrote down this line that I don't know why. I wrote, stinkweed is tied into the FBI. I don't know what that means. Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there was like a part where like – uh, he was trying to get Mark Paul Gosler's character involved, and and so they were trying to think of what their like detective connections were, and right. they were like, "We oh. low key have a connection at the FBI." That was weird. They also have a private eye who made so and so's date rape go away. Yeah, Ugh, gross. I know. Um, Man, Stinkweed did nine eleven. Yeah, I think they, there's a chance. They might also, have. those two stick figures, two towers. Apparently, this show was a uh, just a, an examination of nine eleven as well. According we're, to a Medium article I read this morning, <laughs> um, Meyer Dickstein shows up again in this episode, the lawyer, because uh, he's going to write a message back to the people to the people he thinks who whoever's posting the mess the images of the two the stick figures whoever's sending that message he's going to send them a message back and he had a dream that he was supposed to like be at the cafe with the hair lip and the waitress Uh, so he does write a message and it is responded to to. right yeah yeah Yeah. i I don't remember what the response is i think the response was all of the little oh right another yeah it gets another tarp with like a ton of little figures a ton of little figures on it yeah yeah um, and then they also, in the next episode, notice that those stick figures are also in the bar above, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess we're, uh, one of the beams that supports the top of the bar. And they're like, oh, I just never noticed That's that. Weird. Also, uh, I think they also see that uh, one of them drew, I don't remember if it was the lawyer or whoever drew it in the cement, uh, where they make the shuffleboard court. They see that as well. Uh, the So the episode ends with, uh, well, there's a couple more great sissy moments where uh, Mitch goes, I went up in the air. And she goes, well, why couldn't you go off a cliff? That's a classic. And then. Bushy says, "I'm going out on the water," and she says, well, "Why don't you try to? T- why don't you try to find time to go fuck yourself on the way?" What? Why? I don't understand. Um, so he's going to go surf, and then well, Freddie has a line where he says, "Whoever I ran away from in that volcano 25 years ago, I'm talking to you." So I guess he hadn't run in with God in that volcano, supposedly. Yeah. The music cue at the end of this episode. The last song is "Hold On, I'm Coming." Yeah. Which is like a little on the nose. A little on the nose. Yeah. And because they knew the show was over and because they had to cram it all in next episode, guess who's back, back yeah, baby? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, it opens with Shawnee coming back out. Him and John matching are just match, wet in matching wetsuits are coming back in from the water. Yeah. Right? They just like uh, uh, Butchie and Kai are asleep on the beach. They wake up and. There's Sean and, and John coming in out of the water. Um, I don't understand. That what I also didn't like in that moment is Butchie is looking out at them. Like, you, you can kind of make out two bodies, kind of. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, Sean's back. How do you? What? I know my son's silhouette I, anywhere. Yeah, that was just strange. Years of heroin. But then also, like, track. this shit's getting real weird. Hairlip and the other one are watching that scene unfold on the computer 
in the cafe? Uh, yeah, like for whatever reason, the computer was on. No one had turned it on. He right. said that he turned it off, off the day before. before. Yeah, yeah. And she what had it left is, him to lock up. Yeah, whatever it is, it's a live feed that is connected to Cass's camera um, somehow. So whatever she is shooting on the camera, right, is what they're able to Let's see. see. Okay, I don't know that that technology exists in 2007. Oh, it did. It definitely did not, which is why it must be God. Mm-hmm. Only option. Um, John is super attached to, or Sean is super attached to John now. He just kind of wants to hang out with John at all times. Yeah, and they're like, we're just trying to make sure you're not brainwashed, buddy. He's like, no, I just want to live with you and John now, Dad. Yeah, I just want to live in this drug squat with this weird guy who doesn't shit. Whatever, Sean, it's fine. Because he went up... To Cincinnati, which we later on, there's a lot of conversation of like, do you know where you went? You know, kind of went up, I guess. Like, uh, there's a, got a lot more of John's like, um, you know, uh, what's he say? Like, uh, if my words are yours, can you hear my father? Yeah, more of his prophecy speak. Yeah. And during this whole unfolding, uh, there's a moment where John really starts to talk to Link, which yeah. almost made me mad just because I was like, of all the people to figure it out, right? it's going to be Link. It's going to be this <laughs> shitty businessman guy. This shitty businessman is like, let me let me hear you out, John. But also, <laughs> he's the only one who like just kind of sits down to and like like Bill did previously, I had to sit down to question him. But every time he would respond, he would just go, "Ah, you fucking asshole!" Like he wouldn't like try to understand what he was saying. Link is like the first person to actually have a moment to go, "Okay, you said that. Well, let me respond to that and see what you say back and see if I can kind of like understand what you're saying." Which I don't know why it's taken ten episodes for someone to do that. Yeah, um, and so. One of the decisions that gets made in this, which is, I guess, pretty major, is that the whole family is going to be sort of brought into the Stinkweed brand, and they're going to spin this whole, like, Shawnee was missing, now he's not, now there's this guy, John, narrative into into launching Stinkweed again. Into launching Sean, because Sean is going to be separate from Stinkweed? No, it's still Stinkweed, but they're going to use that weird symbol as their logo. They have a new logo, and then Mark Paul Gossler's taking over because he right. sold the company anyway. Right. But they're kind of ma- pitching it like, oh, but also they part of it back. is to like just cover up the supernaturalness of everything that's happening. Yeah. But at this point, Mitch is just permanently floating, right? Yeah. They have to hold him down so he can, he's not just in the air. Yeah. Um, so, like... They're going to use all of this as a, as partially as a distraction, partially to relaunch Stinkweed, partially to launch Sean's And just like career. as long as, I guess, whatever's going on is going on, they'll keep spinning it as like, oh, you know, maybe he's he, we sent him to a training place or whatever. You know, they can always spin it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> also, uh, so a lot of that conversation that uh, Link has with um, – with John is that like weird like nonsense speak, but he is actually responding to questions. So like at one point he goes, "Does your Link says, does your father have a father? What's your father's father's name?" And he goes, "My father's father's name is Father." And he's like, "Do you know your father's words?" He says, "I know my father's father's. I don't know my father's father. I know my father's father's words." And he says, "Well, what does your father say? Father's father say?" 
he says, listen to your father. So, like, it doesn't make sense, but he is having an actual conversation that responds to questions. Does that make – I know – Yeah, it's like a weird logic, but he is – there is intelligence underneath it all. Sean says he wants to move in with John and Butchie, and when he tells Sissy, of course she fucking loses her mind. She's like, what do you mean we did such a horrible job? Excuse me. Sorry about that. We did such a horrible job or whatever. No, maybe he just doesn't want to live in this horrifically toxic environment. Yeah, maybe he's tired of your tuna fish sandwiches. You're you're not – the only thing you feed this man is tuna fish. He's going to get mercury poisoning. Uh, But also like it's just a house full of not – you're nonstop bitching and screaming and insults. You're nice to him I guess but like – you and Mitch are a fucking nightmare in this house. You yell at every person that walks in the door. I wouldn't want to live there either. I don't know that. At, live in a at drug least squat. wait till he's like too old for you to jerk him off anymore. <laughs> <laughs> um, I I did laugh when uh, Mitch is floating like for real, and everyone can see it. He like <laughs> sissy walks in and she's Mitch is floating and she just goes get down here. Yeah, that made, me, that made me laugh. The first person to just be like, "All right, knock that shit off." Yeah, that made me laugh. Uh, also, uh, uh, was it Dixon's character, the lawyer character, um, got a great blowjob from his? Wife. Oh yeah, yeah. Meyer Dickstein did Meyer wake Dickstein. up getting his dick sucked for no reason. Like for no reason, he does- he seemed puzzled by it as he well. He seemed a little put off, honestly. He but- was like confused face that he lifts it up and I guess it's his wife and yeah. then he's like well, the fiance right. or whatever. Fiance yeah. that he puts it back down still dubious. Um 9-11-14 is a motif. It's a date that something's getting launched. 9-11-14 are the numbers on the shuffleboard court. Um I guess maybe that's more 9-11 shit or whatever. Yeah. Um Jo- Sean's having a bit like they're asking Sean questions about where he's been right uh, and he doesn't really have answers yeah but I think I mean at least from a showrunner perspective like they could have said something and it would have been controversial right because right. it's like well you don't know so I guess like being ambiguous about it might have been a deliberate choice no like, I think it was for sure a deliberate it, choice and, I, and one I'm not necessarily ba- mad yeah. at um, it's just a lot of like uh, the waves were good. Were the waves on the water? I don't know. Like this shit, like that, um, which is fine. Also, Sissy continues to not give a shit about uh, Mitch's floating, and I just really enjoyed the whole episode. Like he's just stuck in like, like a corner of the ceiling, yeah. and she's just doing errands around him. That I find very funny. I don't know why, but like the idea of just no selling your husband's floating, I just find very funny. Um, they're gonna put on a parade. Yeah. To launch Sean and relaunch Stinkweed. Yeah. Um, they're going to use that symbol as like the logo for the whatever. So they're going to get a new, uh, new wetsuits made with that logo on it or whatever. But now like, so they're going to do this fucking parade and they've got the, I don't know. It's just a weird ending to this. I, d- I don't even really understand what happened. Yeah, then there was like just like shots of people and John's voice over the top saying more prophecy speak. What was up with the dude selling the El Camino? That it seemed like he knew more. He like than, he knew John and like kind of knew something going on there. It felt like yeah, where 
there there was definitely a relationship there, but it's like one of those things where that character probably had a longer arc and they just cut it for time. But yeah, I could definitely see him being like the same way that the chemist was added second to last episode. It's just like it's just, it's, this character definitely had more going on because he was speaking the same way John, John was speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he, they, go, they go to get an El Camino for the parade because John's like, we have to have an El Camino. Uh, and this place on 8th Street has an El Camino. And they try to like big dick the guy selling the cars by being like, we have 18 cars or whatever. And he's like... I got 18 dealerships in this fucking city alone. I've never mentioned blah, 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 whatever. But then he does start talking and like John speak of fathers and blah, like it was just a very, I was like, oh, this guy is going to mean something. No, we're halfway into the fucking last episode. This guy doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Also, Freddy's competition from the island shows up. Yeah. And I that was also weird. So there's a young Hawaiian guy, right, who isn't his direct competition, but maybe works for his direct competition. I think think the older Asian dude that that guy sees in the car is kind of Freddy's main whatever. I think he has a, the, the young Hawaiian guy has a relationship with Freddy. Like they clearly go back. Yeah. Yeah. Came up with Freddy and stuff like that. And he's like, Oh, it's just me here. He's like, no, cause y'all never come alone. So I know he's here. Just tell him like, I'm not a threat or whatever. And then yeah, yeah, and basically, like, I'll take a he, he's the whole previous to him showing up. He knows he's coming, and he's telling uh, Palaka, like Freddie's telling Palaka, I have to like, I can't just go. I'm um, leaving. You can take everything because then he's gonna think that I'm setting him up. So I gotta ask for something, but I can't ask for too much. So he tells him he's like, tell the captain I'll take a taste for three years, but that's all I want. He says something. I like, tell Fre- tell the Chinaman Freddie's got 17 safety deposit boxes. I'll take a taste for three years, but all I want is out. But he tells the guy, like, if I were you, I would try to take over from the Chinaman. He's trying to set the young guy against the, the Chinaman. Yeah. Um, and again, I think they might have factored in more had this show continued because For it's sure. like he was kind of staying. But they also do that thing where like they're trying to make him – they're trying to lean into the Hawaiian-ness, so they're just using, they, like, like, Hawaiian slang that I don't know. As soon as he gets in the car with the Chinaman, they, like, code switch, yeah. and, and then it's just like, don't act Lolo. And yeah, I'm he like, says, I might, be, Lolo. I might be a papuli, but I ain't no Lolo, he says at one he point. Goes, no, and I'm like, I don't, know what a, I, I don't know what any of this means. Yeah. Uh, they do that, that character's name is Moana, by the way, which I enjoy, because I really enjoy the, the movie Moana. Um, they give them a lot of story time in the... You you know you're making the last episode, so I don't understand the choice of factoring them in. At this point, you know this is the last episode. So why are we introducing them and giving them like a three minute scene in the car together? I mean, there was just a, to them. I think it was just because like Freddie had mentioned previously that like someone was going to be coming probably from the island, and so they felt like they had to wrap up that through line. I but they honestly really they didn't. for sure didn't couldn't care less about that through line. Certainly not to the point of like I said. Uh, the Chinaman and Moana have like a three-minute scene in that car together. Mm-hmm. I don't care about any of that. It doesn't. Yeah. It means nothing to me. Uh, there's a man floating and an alien slash god, and I don't know. I don't care about weird drug business in Hawaii. That doesn't factor into my life. And you know, I'm I'm happy that Cass was chosen for this, but other than that, I think she knows nothing about filmmaking. <laughs> she just happened to be there to have a camera. Yeah, I think that's. I kind of think she just has a camera. She just has a camera. It could have been literally anyone, but it just happens to be Cass. And she's so, like, this is my process. And she's like messing with Palaka. So this is where this episode kind of 
goes off the rails for me a little bit. They're going to have this this uh what you call it? This parade, right? And uh Bill is trying to run interference with the cops cuz technically they don't have a a license for the parade. They have like a license for a gathering at the beach or whatever, but they work all that out through just Bill yelling at people. Um Ooh, yes. Please, more logistics in your finale. And, and they start trying – for sure. I don't need to know about the paperwork at all. <laughs> but it's asked multiple times. Like even before the parade, Bill's like, so what's the deal with you have permits or whatever? I'm like, I don't care. Just go have this fucking parade. Um, but they start to kind of bring in other stuff, right? So they bring in the guys who stabbed John at one point. They see him. Um they call back the dude, the scumbag guy who tells uh, Sean's mom that he jerks off to her or whatever. Oh, yeah. By literally just having him go, hey, I'm the guy that jerks off to your tapes. He just says that line to her. And then, and then everybody shit talks. Everybody's like, shut the fuck up, you uh, pervert. Even Sissy's like, uh, whatever, yeah. like sticks up for her a little bit. Um, so that happens. You see, yeah, you perv dick mouthful, he says. Um Bill calls the the chemist who's now involved a drug tragedy, which I enjoyed. And then there's this montage. So they they talk. Link is like we're gonna re, like kind of sums up the show. There was this tragedy. I've signed this kid. We're gonna relaunch the like Butchie Yost failed, and we failed him, and we're gonna relaunch the Yost dynasty or whatever. Um, and they start to discuss things that were clearly going to happen. In future episodes, that just like they're like, oh, we're just going to throw out these ideas that we were going to do. One of which was the doctor comes back twenty five years younger. Did you catch that moment? Yeah, yeah. He just comes. He's just a kid talking to some nurse lady, and I was like, who's she? It's such a weird. I get like you had all these ideas and you didn't get a chance to do them, but don't just dump them at the end of this episode. Popcorn balls. Popcorn balls. So weird. In my Milky Way. And then. So there's this long ass, not long, but there's this whole scene at the beach, right? Yeah. And then it cuts to this montage, and it's, this happens to this character, so-and-so does this, the chemist is back. Yeah. Uh, Barry opens the bar. Like, it's kind of telling what, like, would have happened if the show continued. And music and whatnot. Cuddy-cuddy montage. And then we just get a, a Bill monologue? Then you get a Bill monologue going up the stairs. He finally goes up the stairs. To see the room where his wife died. And he has this like heartfelt thing about like how I wish you could have been there for this and been there for that. And like I've kind of put my life on hold in some respect. I hadn't left the house until the thing with the kid. But, you know, I love you and I'm going to live my life. Like he's had... It's I wrote down here if this show had made more sense, Ed O'Neill would have gotten an Emmy because he is tremendous. And this monologue is very touching and heartfelt, but it feels so tacked on coming after what was clearly the end of the show, right? Yeah. It's out of nowhere. And then Zippy flies in to the window. And he's like, oh, "Oh, Zippy's back. Credits. And that's just how this. That's the end of the show. It's so weird. And, like, that scene, I loved. I actually thought that was one of his better monologues. And yeah. I think all of his monologues are actually very good. But, like, it is the tacked on of tacked on to this. You know what I mean? Yeah. It was, like, a super hard cut from that montage. And it just, like, it felt super forced. But, I guess, needs must. It, it was... It didn't feel forced to me in, in the delivery or No. Anything. In, in just the editing placement mm-hmm. of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It just didn't feel... It could have just been before the parade. Before. It would have made more sense before the parade. Him talking about, I'm going to live my life, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Then he goes off to this parade. And with the montage. Yeah. 
Makes more and sense. with the montage, the clear ending of the show. <laughs> I don't know. That that kind of annoyed me. Um, yeah, it felt like um, – yeah. I, I felt like I was really enjoying the show and it might just be a factor of – they got canceled early, so they never had a chance to explain. Like when I finished watching the tenth episode, I was like, "That sucks." This show clearly had some ideas it was exploring, got ended early, didn't have a chance to get where it was going. And if it had, it could have been really good. Yeah. But then I come to find out they didn't fucking have an idea where they were going. He didn't know what the goddamn show was about. I mean, it's like uh, like Twin Peaks. I would compare to this show like tonally, just because the language sure, is very sure, elevated. Sure. The characters are very and then like, like weird you know, esotericness. It's yeah. weird esotericness, but Twin Peaks at least had two seasons to mm-hmm. confuse the hell out of us, but also <laughs> delight us. Sure. And because this one only had ten episodes, I wonder if like more of the lore would have come out of it. Because I could see where this show could have been like a cult hit, you know? Sure. Absolutely. It has that sort of like nicheness to it. It sure does. I think it's safe to say at this point, it's God. Yeah. Right? It's clearly God. Mm -hmm. Even if you take away the interview where he was like, what if God wants to talk to us? It's a man. He's talking about his father. It's clearly God, right? Yeah. I'm not a religious person. I don't mm. believe in any of that nonsense. Uh, that harsh. Probably shouldn't just call it nonsense like that. <laughs> but I don't. It's not for me. They made it somewhat. They didn't make religion appealing, but they were like, I was able to watch a religious-based show and not get like, oh, they're fucking heavy-handed with the godness. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, not too preachy. Yeah, it wasn't. I don't think it was preachy at all. I it's think, not like uh, God friended me on CBS. <laughs> I, by if the way, he had you, something really urgent to say, he, he would have friended me. He, he would have friended you. He would have slid in my DMs. Is what God would have thought. <laughs> Did you watch that show? I for no, sure didn't. Um, I for sure did it because I just remember seeing the trailer being like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. No. I saw the, the. I didn't even see the trailer. I saw the fucking title, and I was like, "We're not like, no, we're not doing that." CBS. Also, I'm sure it's on CBS. That's just a guess. Um, it, it, it was around the time like that. There's a young black kid who gets becomes the mayor or whatever. There was like a weird run of CBS shows where yeah. I think they were trying to like branch out into like, I don't know, non. They're trying to get that blackish money. <laughs> a little bit, but they were also, I think, trying to do like single camera. They're trying to branch away yeah. from the sort of Big Bang Theory. Oh, the Everybody format. loves yeah, Raven thing that they stuff. are used to. Mm-hmm. And it was not successful. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't think either of those shows are still on. So I got to see this Medium article. John from Cincinnati is a 9-11 truth show is what the title of this yes. Medium article is. Did you gather anything? Were there any examples of why that is? Uh, I think it was like more – it was one – you know, whenever people watch shows very closely and they're, they're picking up all this sort of periphery stuff. Mm. So there were posters and scenes that had like – uh, like examine nine eleven, the truth about nine eleven, yeah. and so when John keeps talking about the towelheads needing to be eradicated, sure. it's not specifically about Muslim people, but also don't use the slur towelheads if you don't mean. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. But anyways, uh, and I think it was about b- bringing the people responsible to light, mm-hmm. and then how it was like tragic and we all suffered PTSD as a nation and how this show kind of examines like the PTSD of this family and their personal tragedy and also preventing nine eleven fourteen, which is something that would have been built on in a later season. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I kind of think a lot of that's horseshit. Um, yeah. And it could be, I mean, I don't know. Well, it's just one of those things like, yeah, you're going to, 
it's it's like the Bible. You're gonna yeah, yeah, yeah. you're gonna you pull from it, it how you, you want. Interpret it how you want. Um, yeah, I mean, there's definitely post nine eleven shit happening, and that like, but it's also pretty far removed from nine. Look, it's two thousand seven. The show is right. Two thousand seven. But I'm it's, not crazy. Nine eleven is two thousand one. It is two thousand one. Okay. Um, so yeah, like six years later seems like a weird time. Like it's too far to be a direct response to it, and not far enough to be like a a, re- a revisitation. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I guess it's just like one of those big iconic events that, especially then, you know, because it was only six years, would still be pretty fresh in people's memory yeah, as a national tragedy. I guess. Especially if you're someone who's like watching an esoteric TV show on HBO, sure. you're like, yeah, that was bad. Um, would you recommend people watch this show? No. <laughs> okay. Interesting. Why is that? I mean, of course, uh, TV recommendations or book recommendations, it depends on the person. Of course. But for the most part... um, Yeah, I guess the question is, do you think this is a worthwhile way to spend 10 hours? I I personally don't, um, just because it never really took off for me. Mm -hmm. I think the characters were more reactive to stuff that was happening sure. than like making active choices or living their own life. There was so much divine intervention in their lives mm. that I never saw any of these characters have to make a choice. I agree with that a hundred percent. I think that is the biggest flaw of this show is every, I like what I was going to say. The reason I think it's worth a watch provided you go in knowing you're going to be ultimately disappointed because it's like canceled and nothing's going to be explained. I've gone into relationships that way. <laughs> sure, absolutely. <laughs> this is good. This is a mistake, but it's going to be fun for a little while. Yeah. Um, I think its biggest strength is also its biggest problem, which is I thoroughly enjoy the weirdness and the almost lostian sense of what's happening, where is this going, oh, what's that guy's bit in the story. The mystery of it I enjoy, but it is also why it's not a better show because none of these characters like ultimately grow or become better or worse. Nobody has – none of these characters have real arcs. No. Like Butchie starts the show off as a drug addict. He's currently not a drug addict, but only because – a, a magic makes him not be addicted to drugs. Yeah. He doesn't. He Go wants. To, he repeatedly wants to do drugs. <laughs> like he does it multiple times. So he's still. He's not. He didn't grow. He just uh, magic happened to him, and now he's no longer a drug. All the any change that happens to people happens because of some magic, and not because of the work they've put in or their relationships to other people. So ultimately, all of the magic weirdness that I like makes this show disappointing in a way. Yeah, and it's like one of those things. Like if you if there is a if there is a god character and he is intervening in these people's lives, is free will real? Right. Or is it just divine providence that we're making the decisions that we're making, which is a very philosophical esoteric question, but for this one where it's so active and so present, it's right. like are these are these people people that I want to get to know, that I want to spend time with, or are they just vehicles for God? Yeah, nobody's particularly likable in this show. Uh, other than, I think Luis Guzman is likable. Yes, but um, also underutilized. Widely underutilized. They're just like the weird Greek chorus, those three guys, right? I know. Until and- kind of the end. But those three guys are like likable. 
Um, but none of the Yost are likable. Butchie was fine until he became a weird racist out of nowhere. Um, Palaka's likable, but ultimately a bad guy. Like, both, like, Palaka and Freddy are likable, but also ultimately capable of violence and criminals. Uh, Shawnee can serve, but, and juggle. (laughs) Yeah, apparently he can juggle pretty well. Um, but yeah, he doesn't bring any, he doesn't add anything. The doctor, I guess, is, is fine. The doctor's fine, but he's also oh, going to become a baby. Bill's likable. Bill's Bill. the best. Bill's the best character. They should make a Bill. spinoff that's just about Bill. <laughs> Bill and his birds. Bill, I would watch Bill and his birds. <laughs> also, when Zippy leaves, we didn't mention this, he starts talking to another bird, talking to, talking to Zippy through another bird. Because when things die or disappear in Bill's life, he can still communicate with them through another bird. Because the bird he's talking to, he says, like, hasn't not so much as a peep these previous 15 years or whatever he says to that bird. So, like, I like that whenever something goes bad, he can still, like, oh, my wife died, my bird disappeared. He he can still talk to him. He just, as long as he has another bird. Yeah, (laughs) telepathic conduit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there was like a moment in uh, episode nine where he's in the car with Freddy, and Freddy's like, oh, Bring that fucking bird to the car. And he's like, so I'm supposed to not have telepathic messages from the divine because you can't bear the chirping? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was actually pretty great. I forgot about that moment, but that was pretty great. Yeah, and you're like, yeah, well, fair. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Good point, sir. Um, Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm like a big Twin Peaks fan, so mm -hmm. I I like weird. I I like some of the tonal things that this was trying to do. I just feel like it didn't pull off more than it did pull off for sure i think it was mostly surface yeah. and I or think, surfing or surfing and i think ultimately you know i'm jo- I, you know jokingly angry about the showrunner admitting he didn't know what the show is about but i think ultimately that's his biggest problem he has a bunch of interesting ideas but he has no end line so he has nowhere to push these ideas he's just throwing out a bunch of weird ideas oh wouldn't it be cool if this happened wouldn't it be cool if this happened but to what end? You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, it's like, what's the difference between a Jackson Pollock painting and what your kindergartner does? Intent. Right. A hundred percent intent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, yeah, wouldn't recommend it. I, I kind of give it a half recommend. Go knowing in it's a sloppy mess, but there's, I don't know, I enjoyed myself watching it for those ten episodes. Um, yeah. So, and maybe watch it, maybe don't. Eh, I don't know. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> what do you have to plug? This will be out on Thursday. Uh, this will be out on Thursday. Um, oh, I am doing a Critical Hit, which is a, a Dungeons and Dragons style comedy show. I've never played the game, so that should be a wild ride at Word. Spider House uh, on the 27th. Awesome. You should definitely check that out. Uh, I am headlining the Velveeta Room this coming Woo! weekend, 20th and 21st. So I think it's two shows Friday, one show Saturday because of Pecan Street. So come out to that. Buy your tickets early because we're already selling them. Um, uh, first Wednesday of the month is The Sting. Go online. Check my dates at chriscubiscomedy.com or at chriscubis on all social media. Uh, next show. I don't know what to do. I kind of want to go back to the 90s. Ooh, fun. Throwback. Pick, pick a throwback maybe. I'm debating. I kind of like doing the HBO thing because at least there's, even if it's bad, it's like competent bad. Yeah, good quality. Would people watch Luck? Even, oh, the even knowing all the horse murder, Dustin Hoffman. Yeah, because I feel like it's probably pretty good, except that they killed a bunch of horses making it, so they had to cancel the show. Would you watch Luck? Let me know on Twitter if you would watch Luck. 
uh, knowing about all the dead horses. Also, if you have a 90s throwback idea for a show, shoot me a tw- uh, tweet uh, at Chris Cubis or at Canceled Pod, and we will make an announcement sometime this week before the next episode so you know what to watch. And we will see you next week. <laughs>